Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from just outside the mobile studio, as I did for part of last week's show, deep in the heart of the beautiful countryside of North Yorkshire, England, uh, where it's a lovely hot summer's day, and like last week, it would just be far too hot for me to record this from inside the van, so um, (laughs) once again, I've gone uh, al fresco for recording this, so hopefully nobody passing by will wonder why I'm talking to myself, uh, or more specifically talking to my iPhone like I'm Captain Kirk asking Scotty to beam me up because that's sort of the position I'm holding the phone in. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll we'll see how we get on. Um, no doubt I'll be bothered by insects and things again, but hey, anything for the cause, right? <laughs> so, I hope you're all okay uh, since we last spoke. It's been uh, glorious summer weather here in the UK, uh, as I think it has been over much of Europe. And it's showing no signs of letting up, which bodes well for my, uh, well, the first of my two weeks away for this uh, forthcoming summer holiday. Uh, I am away next week. We've booked to go camping in the Lake District, which we are very much looking forward to. Uh, but as I say, the, weather's look, uh, the weather looks to be, uh, looks set to be really good, uh, which, which bodes well. Uh, of course, it does mean that not only will I miss next week's episode at least uh, i'll be late to it by a few days but of course i will also miss recording next week's podcast as i have uh, alluded to um, last week uh, but fear not i once again have um, a very able body prepared to step into the fold and uh, pick up the reins for me in my absence uh, so please do uh, following episode four airing get your feedback in um, and uh, make sure you get your thoughts in there, and, and you will be included on next week's podcast. Uh, we hope to be able to bring you a, a regular feedback section as uh, as normal. Um, there will be another week coming up in about six weeks' time when I'm going to be away again, but I'll remind you about that nearer the time. I mean, as I say, it doesn't mean that the podcast stops, just that I won't be hosting it for a week. <laughs> Uh, which may or may not be a good or a bad thing, depending on your <laughs> personal opinion. Um, okay, so shooting has wrapped. Uh, as I mentioned last week, July the 10th, I think, if I remember rightly, was the final day of shooting season 8. Uh, production has closed down, they had the wrap party this week. And uh, I think certain members of cast and crew are looking ahead to Comic-Con, which is later this week. In fact, by the time I upload this podcast, it may well have already happened uh, this year's Dexter panel. Uh, obviously, Comic-Con go- go- goes over the weekend, but the Dexter panel is on the Thursday night, I believe. Uh, so, looking forward to um, seeing YouTube footage of, of what goes on there, and uh, I'm sure there won't be any spoilers, but it'll be interesting to um, see what silly questions get asked. Uh, <laughs> they are promising... A uh, very special guest with very in bold on the website. So um, I guess that's John Lithgow or uh, or maybe Christian Camargo. That would be interesting if um, if he made an appearance. Uh, so maybe we'll have uh, or maybe my uh, my deputy will um, 
refer to uh, uh, what goes on at Comic-Con next week, if, if anything of note comes up. But it, it is sort of eye-rollingly bad sometimes, some of the rubbish questions that get asked. Uh, you can almost predict the sort of questions that will get asked. Certainly nothing probing or... Um, well, maybe I'm not giving people enough credit, but <laughs> by and large, <laughs> they do get asked some rubbish questions. You've got a golden opportunity with Michael C. Hall and the rest of the the, the cast there, and you could ask them anything. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I'm only jealous because I'm not there. But I will be in the Lake District next week, so uh, looking forward to that. Here we go, then. Season 8, Episode 3, What's Eating Dexter Morgan? No prizes for guessing why they called it that. Written by Lauren Gussis and directed by Ernest Dickerson. Original air date, 14th of July, 2013. I nearly said June then. All right, here we go with the review. Debs sure as hell continued her descent this week, isn't she? I have to admit... Her confession to Quinn was a complete shock to me. My jaw dropped and my heart stopped for a second. I thought, oh my God, are they really doing this now? Three episodes in and she's confessing? Loads of thoughts ran around my head like, what's going to happen to Deb now? What's what's Dexter going to do? Is, is he going to spend the rest of the season on the run? This just after Vogel wondered if Dexter had considered killing Deb once he found out she was... Sorry, once she found out he was a killer. It seemed like a very bold creative move to do this now. But of course, (laughs) they wriggled out of it. And even that was shocking to see Dexter stick Deb in the neck with a needle. I loved Vogel's response. Oh, that was interesting. (laughs) But let's step back for a moment and, and think about the overall themes of the episode. It was obviously about Deb making a decision, albeit a drunken one, to take responsibility for killing LaGuerta and turning herself in, and to hell with the consequences. Dexter had tried to show us some of the good she'd done by showing us someone she'd saved a couple of seasons ago. Somewhat heroically, somewhat recklessly, but saved him she did. And while it seemed to resonate with her at the time, in the restaurant with Dexter, it ultimately pushed her further into the bottle. Maybe she was thinking more how that's how she used to be. That's the person she was, and now it's all turned to crap and she's someone totally different now. It may be served as a reminder of what she's lost and ended up having the opposite effect to the one Dexter wanted. Credit to him for trying, but Deb's too far gone, clearly. I would have liked to have had more of that dinner scene, though. What was their conversation after they turned to the menus and the scene cut? We've only seen animosity this season. Then, just as the mood between them seemed to lighten just a little bit, they cut away. Bit frustrating, but there we go. We'll talk more about Deb a bit later, but the other theme of the episode was Dexter relinquishing control to Vogel, accepting he needed help with Deb and handing the job to the good doctor. He recognised he consumes everyone he loves, What a tragic thing for him to admit. It was a true moment of self-loathing. The look on his face when he said that was so sad, but it's a very brave thing to do, to openly recognise your faults and accept help, which is what he did this week. Well, insofar as his faults, taking responsibility and, and seeing what he does to people. 
but it's still pretty big for him. Dexter loves to be in control of things and loses it a bit when things spiral away from him. Deb's done that big time and he's kept on trying to help her even though he's the last person she wants close to her and trying to help. When in her eyes he's the one responsible for her new situation. Meanwhile, Dexter knows he's the one responsible and feels a duty to help her and make things right. He's feeling guilt and Dr Vogel sees this although she didn't come out and say the G word, I don't think. And it's yet another thing to add to the growing list of characteristics being displayed by Dexter that don't fit the classic psychopath template. It adds weight to the theory that this season will see him realising that he's not a lost cause, not a, a set-in-stone monster, and there could be light at the end of the tunnel. Going back to the start of the episode... Did they fool any of you for a second? <laughs> Trying to make us think something bad had happened to Harrison. Not me. <laughs> I thought, hello, he's pinched something from the fridge. It was a nice daddy moment, though, picking his son up in the night and cleaning him up. Moving on through the episode, Dexter does find solace in familiar situations, like a fresh body at a crime scene, although he was rather surprised to find how Sussman's body had been moved after he'd been there. The situation was understood by Dexter, though, that the killer wanted the police off the scent, so they made it look like Sussman committed suicide. But this doesn't shake Dexter off, and he and Vogel continue to go through her list of possible suspects. Can we officially cross off Vogel as a possible brain surgeon now? She got the text message and those little packages on her doormat. I don't think she's anything to do with the crimes, but it still seems odds-on that she's connected to the killer in some way. But we got something close to a good old-fashioned kill of the week. Quite unexpectedly, and what a disturbed guy he was. Kind of comical, too, when we meet Ron Galuzzo in the mall. Incidentally, Ron Galuzzo, his surname is a nod to Rob Galuzzo, who works on the Dexter Wrap-Up podcast with Scott Reynolds. He said to me on Twitter that it was quite an honour to... Um, have a uh, have his name used as a killer on Dexter, which is his favourite show. Ron Galuzzo, he seemed too interested in Dexter, and my gaydar was going off, quite honestly. But it seems his interest was spurred on by a different kind of desire. It sheds a funny light on him checking Dexter's body fat level. Dexter, though, was as subtle as a house brick, putting Vogel's book on the exercise machine like that. Seems a little bit sloppy to me, a bit amateurish, showing his hand like that. And we know Dex is no amateur. But I suppose time is of the essence, and he wanted quick results, quick signals from Galuzzo either way, to help indicate his guilt, or lack of, as the case might have been. Spotting Galuzzo hiding something, Dexter follows up and checks his house. Did you see that coming? <laughs> the kitchen, being amazingly pristine compared to the rest of the house, gave me a clue... I loved Dexter's expression when he saw what was in the stew pot. Classic look of revulsion, even for a serial killer. That was really sick, even for this show, but nicely done. I don't think we've had any killer like that in the show before. So, even though it was clear Galuzzo was not the brain surgeon, I thought, here's a perfect victim for Dexter. He'll be back. And of course, he was, for that telling final scene at the kill table. Interesting they didn't show the actual kill on screen, but then it was Dexter's words that were more important. 
I'm jumping about a bit, aren't I? Jumping about in the timeline of the of the episode. I've not talked about a key scene with Vogel earlier in the episode le- yet, so let's do that now because it is an important one. We had a theory last week. I forget who from, so forgive me. But someone suggested that Vogel would try to influence Dexter to kill Deb. I thought, while it's possible, Dexter wouldn't entertain the thought for a moment, caring about Deb as he does. And lo and behold, if she didn't go and ask him about it. When Harry and I came up with a code, he insisted that you only kill bad people. And I insisted that the first rule of the code be, don't get caught giving you a little wiggle run. Okay. So my question is this. When your sister found out about who you were and what you were doing, why didn't you kill her? What? Not that I'd ever advocate such a thing, but since Deborah knew the truth about you, she was clearly a risk. I would never kill Deborah. She's my sister. I love her. What exactly do you love about her? That made him stop to think. Fascinating stuff. She doesn't suggest Dexter should kill Deb, but wonders why he didn't. She's really hung up on Dexter's attachment to Deb, like she wants to understand why he'd have such a tie to her, be so concerned for her. Dexter says he loves her, which Vogel queries, although we know them so well, I I think we know Dexter loves her. But putting it into words, the reasons why, is something he struggles with. But then, Vogel shouldn't be altogether surprised. He's struggled with understanding normal emotions for so long. He's always going to find it hard to articulate reasons for them. Vogel seems to think it impossible for someone like Dexter to properly love someone in a selfless way. She likens Dexter to Michelangelo trying to play the banjo. It's like she thinks he can only be one thing or the other, not somewhere in between. Perhaps it's just typical of her profession, where it's easier to pigeonhole people, put a label on everything. Yet Dexter, as we know, is something of an enigma, residing somewhere on the scale between the two. Why can't it be possible for him to be there? To tell him he can't is to deny him who he is, deny him the possibility to change and evolve, deny him some of the experience he's had. Some of you, some may argue how much he's learnt, but he's definitely learnt and he, he has moved on and evolved over the last eight years. He's had knockbacks, yes, and times of doubt, yes, but he's still a shadow of the person we saw in season one. Vogel needs to realise that. I think she still needs to learn more about who Dexter is. Something awful about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. Fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You glide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. You are one creep, motherfucker. Let's turn to Deb for a bit. We'll get back to her and Dexter. But firstly, let's get the weekly praise out of the way for Jennifer Carpenter, who again hit a home run with her performance. Is there anyone on TV at the moment who can do drunk better than her? And different kinds of drunk too, not just the totally defeated drunk who walked into Miami Homicide to confess to murder, but the the sleepy one being woken by a policeman, seeing she's driven into a parking meter and bursting into peals of laughter. 
She didn't help Quimmy, though, did she? <laughs> I'm not surprised Quinn lied to Jamie when he went off in the night. She's been the jealous girlfriend with his support of his ex, although you can't entirely blame the girl, because it does seem he's still got feelings for Deb. I like the reference back to season six, when he crawled into a bottle after Deb rejected his proposal. I was hoping he'd say something about his recovery, how he pulled himself out of it. Maybe he never got so far as so far into alcoholism before he screwed up and got into trouble with Batista. Maybe getting into trouble there was enough to shake him out of it and he didn't need to hit rock bottom. I think we should give Quinn some credit for getting straight and making an effort to better himself through the sergeant's exam. I must admit I didn't like Batista getting on his case about it though. Quinn obviously isn't the sort of person that good things come easily to. He has to work at stuff like this and Batista should really have had more patience. I was a bit disappointed at that. He was maybe too easily influenced by Matthew's scepticism. You would, you'd expect better from him. Anyway, I did appreciate Quinn trying to get through to Deb and for a second, when they sat in the car together, maybe half a second, I thought she was close to telling him something, something substantial. I see on Twitter that there's still a lot of anti-Quinn stuff going round. It's true, he has been wasted and inconsistent over the years. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. And if they were wasting him again this year, keeping him on the periphery of things, making up the numbers, doing something pointless, then I'd be on board with that. But they've pulled him closer to the central plotline. They've got him being a good guy and trying to help Deb. At the cost, it seems, of his relationship with Jamie. He is being a good guy so far this year. Let's, let's get off his case and be glad he's got something meaningful and positive to do. At least for the time being. Surely we can agree that we want all the characters to have something positive to do. I'm putting Masuka and Batista in there too. Neither of those guys have had too much to do yet, but there's still time for them to have a significant contribution. Getting back to Deb... She obviously spent some time with Elway again this week on a case that I think just served to further their relationship together. I don't mean that I think they'll get romantically involved. You know what I mean. <laughs> that said, I do get the feeling that Elway has a soft spot for Deb. I mean, it's quite obvious really the way he accommodates her, watches out for her well-being, giving her protein drinks or shit shakes as she so delicately put it this week. Even in her inebriated state, depressed state, she still manages, she still has the ability for subtle turns of phrase, doesn't she? So far, Elway seems like a genuine guy. Nothing to dislike about him. Hopefully, he'll just be someone stable who she can relax with. Someone who has no clue of the crap she's been through and just knows her for who she is now. But there's definitely been a tinge of jealousy in some of his comments about Quinn and Briggs. You are certainly allowed to be a player if you so choose <laughs> i think you think i'm a player first there's briggs then there's a uh, new friend well if he's not a new friend we used to date there's not anymore really so what happened he proposed i said no jesus christ he's certainly a better man than i am when he turns down my proposal, I'm pretty fucking sure I'm not going to stay friends with her. 
Yeah, but that's just because you're a giant pussy. <laughs> yes, could be. Bringing things back to her and Dex, I spoke earlier about the restaurant scene, with Dex trying to help her see what a good person she is, see the impact of her actions on a bystander at that shootout. Unfortunately, it seems to have the opposite effect in the end. We saw her drinking again, watching the YouTube video again and again, probably lamenting who she was and what she's lost. And she walks into Miami PD, staggering drunk, slurring, looking like she was going to spew at any minute. I half wondered if she'd soil Quinn's shoes with a good old heave-ho and a Technicolor yawn. <laughs> but what a powerful moment we got instead. She leant into Quinn and my heart skipped a beat when she said what she was confessing to. I expected her to say, I killed El Sapo. But no. I'm going to make an official statement. How much have you had to drink? One or two. Why don't we get some coffee? I don't want coffee. I want to confess. You want to confess to what? The Lord. You I killed the quarter. Oh, oh, why don't we go to the bike fire? Yeah, I got you. Take it easy. Wow, that was such a powerful moment. From Carpenter's amazing portrayal of someone ripped apart, torn asunder by the weight of their actions, now overcome with guilt, emotion, and alcohol. To Quinn, quickly realising what she was saying and rapidly pulled her head into his shoulder to smother her words in case anyone else heard. So protective and truly a dramatically effective touch. Great moment. I thought this was the latest game changer. I thought it's, it's like, what? They're doing this now? In episode three and with ten minutes of the episode still to go? I thought, oh wow, she's going to implicate Dexter and... Quinn's season five suspicions will come back to him. Credit to Desmond Harrington in the scene too. He did a good job as Quinn tried to be supportive, presuming what Deb was trying to tell him. Watching it back in preparation for the podcast, you know, Jennifer Carpenter went somewhere very dark to produce that performance. It made me feel emotional all over again watching it a second time. Just amazing work. What's more... We got a very key loose end tied up as Quinn provided some exposition that answered the question of how they covered up the ballistics. Deb used her service weapon, remember, and we always wondered how they'd cover that up. I do believe that whenever a service weapon is fired, uh, an officer has to account for it. So I'm not sure about that little part of it, but the larger scope of the murder was covered. As Quinn said, remember, Dexter walked, us, Dexter walked us through it. It's too much for Deb to bear, and she tries to tell Quinn the truth and starts to write it down. We see the words, Dexter was in the container, presumably. So Quinn tips off Dexter, and he and Vogel rush there, hatching a plan to try and prevent Deb from doing anything disastrous. Luckily for Dex, Quinn isn't buying what Deb said. He thinks she's just acting all crazy, obviously going through something bad, he says. Vogel did a great job of explaining her outlandish behaviour to Quinn. She's a great liar, isn't she? 
Like I said earlier, I was shocked to see Dex shoot Deb with a needle, and it was almost comical how he then carried her out. But did you notice Vogel take the notepad? Okay, Dex had told her to, but you have to wonder if that's how... or if that's... if she's going to use that as leverage or something along those lines to make sure Dexter does whatever she tells him to. Prey on his loyalty and sense of responsibility for Deb. So, we leave Deb this week in her house, handcuffed to the sofa, Vogel waiting for her to wake up and begin whatever it is she plans to do. Help her, hopefully. It was a big thing for Dexter to relinquish his sister like that. He must have reached the realisation that he couldn't do any more for her and needed to let someone else try. And so we come to the final scene of the week, the kill table. The dark look on Dexter's face. But I think he was feeling negativity more towards himself than Galuzzo, although Galuzzo was a perfectly viable victim. But there was self-loathing there, as I mentioned before. If he thinks back and reminds himself of how he also destroyed Rita in a way, as well as Deb, I don't know, it's only going to make this feeling worse. Is he going to realise he needs to do something to stop this cycle repeating itself? Is an epiphany on the horizon? You know what I love about this season so far? It's that it feels like anything can happen. It's unlike any previous season of Dexter. Like last season was. It stood apart from any previous season. All bets are off, it feels like. The, The general formula of the show is out of the window. We do get hints of the old ways, like the kill of the week that presented itself this week, but otherwise the whole playing field feels different. The the landscape has changed irrevocably. There's no going back. Previously, we've always been pretty safe in the knowledge that certainly Dexter will be okay, and also that Deb probably will be too. Now, there are no guarantees, and it gives the whole thing a massive sense of uncertainty. We're getting lots of scenes between Vogel and Dexter, which I'm really enjoying. And I'm almost looking at this season as a 12-hour film split into 12 weekly parts, as opposed to 12 individual episodes, if that makes any sense. Previously, we'd have season-long arcs, but it just feels more so this time. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but I hope you get where I'm coming from. So, another solid episode for me. Some phenomenal work from Jennifer Carpenter, particularly, really getting across the continued downward spiral and dismantling of Deb. And I'm encouraged by the use of Quinn so far. Charlotte Rampling is still wonderful as Vogel, and I'm fascinated at what the rest of the season holds for her character, and the impact she's going to have on Deb and Dex. But enough from me for now. Let's turn it over to you guys. Listener Feedback Before we go on, I feel like I should uh, just qualify the audio quality of this opening bit of the feedback segment. I'm recording, recording this from my back garden, and we live not too far away from 
a pretty main road, so apologies in advance for the traffic noises. I'm recording this at about half past four in the afternoon. <laughs> and there's quite a lot of traffic about. Anyway, let's get stuck into your comments from this week. I've been a bit concerned, actually, because on Twitter there's been some anti-Deb stirrings. Some people saying, come on, Deb, just snap out of it already. And I asked the question on the podcast Facebook page, has anyone, basically, has anyone had enough of depressed Deb after the first three episodes? And honestly, I wasn't surprised by the outpouring of Deb's support, because I know most of us are big fans of hers. The general consensus was one of understanding. Give the girl a break. She murdered an innocent person. It's a massive thing for anyone to do, and it's going to take some time to come to terms with, if she ever could. But she's dealing with more than just the murder, of course. There's all that's gone on before and the revelations from last season and all the traumatic stuff that's gone in her life prior to that. Among the comments on the page, uh, Michael Fariella said, Deb is the punching bag of the show. Shooting Maria was just the breaking point to a very fragile person and I think they're forgetting what Deb has gone through. Mike Herkham said, I think it's understandable that she's acting so erratically. I don't think it will last all season. I'm starting to think she'll lean on Elway more and more to bring her out of it. Matt Battle said, this, this woman murdered one of her closest friends in cold blood to protect her serial killer brother, who she was in love with. There's bound to be a lot of issues to work through. I'd honestly be surprised if Deb was back to her usually fucking chipper self at this point. Deanna Johnson Chow said, there would be an equal number of people not buying it if she suddenly snapped out of it and acted like it was all cool. People suffer PTSD after fighting in battles or in kill-or-be-killed situations. Forget shooting an innocent to protect your brother's secret. I felt her utter breakdown and desire to confess was so real and believable. Maybe Dexter and Deb have grown and changed as characters, and the complainers are the ones who want them to continue being the season one and two Morgans. Chris Kessie said, Yeah, because anyone would be able to realistically get over their feelings of guilt from killing an innocent person. Everybody knows that. I think he's being sarcastic there. <laughs> he says, I think her reactions are dead on, even if the innocent person was someone as loathsome as LaGuerta. Sandro Ishmael said, What Deb is going through is normal in my opinion. What is not normal is Dex thinking other people should not feel sadness. Even Dex was not able to forget the death of you-know-who at the end of season four. He had to go through a process too. Stephen Alice said, Deb's is how she is because she's in, because this is where Vogel obviously comes in. She will tell her it's okay to kill bad people, or people who endanger your existence, and she'll convince her of this. Meanwhile, though, on the flip side, and I have to say, these were in the minority, David Carter said, I sure as hell have had enough. She's on a destructive path. Even though no one would ever believe her, going in to confess about LaGuerta's death could ruin everyone's life around her. Kevin Pazic said, I realise Deb is going through a psychosis and everyone appreciates drama, but yes, time for Deb to strap on her man boots and get back to prime seasons three through five Deb. But kudos for Jennifer in season seven's Argentina. Ross Martin said, for me it's a show about Dexter, not Deb. Enough of Deb. So, clearly the majority of responses were in favour of Deb, understanding what she's going through and allowing her time to work through it. The counterpoint seemed to be more like... Come on, the show's about Dexter, and if Deb confesses, it'll screw with his life. The show is called Dexter, that's true. And we all, we all want him to be okay. There might also be an element of wanting the show to get back to how it used to be, back in the day. But of course, it never can, can it? 
the cosy days of seasons one to four are long gone. It's a fair comment that Deb confessing would drop Dexter right in it and mess up his life and that of Harrison too, but remember that Deb's not in the right state of mind, riddled with alcohol and heaven knows what else. She made the decision to make a confession, but maybe hadn't thought it through entirely. She's just had enough of feeling like this and sees confessing as the only way of unburdening herself. But as Travis and Steve suggested, this is where Vogel could be helpful to her. I think when she wakes up next week and calms down, because <laughs> there's going to be hell to pay, isn't there? But maybe we could see the start of that after then. Right, so, on to the regular feedback. Email from Jacob Newman says, Cannibalism. Disgusting. Even Dex is revolted by it. Wow. I think that this was a terrific episode which really picked up the pace and moved things along. Quinn is playing a central role and I think that he's very good. Unfortunately, he isn't sergeant material and he may still be in love with Deborah. So far, Batista doesn't have that much to do. I hope that changes. I like where things are going with the brain surgeon storyline. I'm not sure that it's Dr. Vogel anymore. The question right now is whether or not she's researching Dexter for her next book. Dexter does not fit her definition of a psychopath. In season one, Dexter told us that he has no feelings. But if he did, he would have them for Deborah. Now he's convinced that he loves Deborah, and it was interesting to watch Dr. Vogel question him about his feelings. She's trying to get him back on track as a killer. I think that it worked because Galuzzo was the first ritual kill we've seen him do since Spelzer. Without the blood slide, of course. Travis Marshall was the last blood slide, I think. Things are moving along, and it looks like it'll be a great season. Thanks, Jacob. It does indeed. And you make some very valid observations there. Hey, Gareth. Uh, this is Travis. Uh, for this episode, Season 8, Episode 3 of Dexter, What's Eating Dexter Morgan, I don't think I have a whole lot to say. That seems to be a recurring pattern this season, and perhaps it's for the best. Uh, I, you know, I just have a few tiny thoughts, but no wild theories or anything discussion-worthy. But I'll just jump in. Uh, and I guess these are in no real order. That kill at the end with the cannibal, seeing Dexter with that meat hammer and him not using it? Ah, oh, what a letdown. I mean, talk about blue balls. It reminded me of that time in Season 7 when um, you thought Dexter was going to kill Ray Spelter by burning him alive, but then he just stabs him. Like, oh, wow, how disappointing. You have this really cool way of killing this dude. And Dexter, you got this big old, like, meat tenderizer, and, you know, it'd be really appropriate for this guy, and you're not going to use it? I know that there's been character development and stuff like that, uh, you know, but Dexter in the past, I, I believe he'd taken, he would take joy in, you know, torturing, I guess, I don't know, playing with people before he killed them, I mean, like, you know, he would drill inside their skull or something like that. You know, he had all these tools for a reason. Why do you have all these tools if all you do is stab them? But at any rate, um, that was a little disappointing. But that cannibal, you know, was interesting, I guess. You know, that cannibal was kind of creepy or whatever. A little over-the-top comical for my tastes, I guess. Like, the fact that he had a whole finger inside that soup. Like, an entire finger. I guess just for seasoning or something. What are you going to do with the bone and the fingernail? Well, I don't know. Whatever. It was cool, nonetheless. Uh, that scene with Harrison in the beginning, I thought that was kind of cute. It's nice to see that Harrison's able to have a personality now, even if it is just typical cutesy kid stuff like, oh, my tummy hurts. And, you know, you know, it was nice seeing Dexter be a father. Perhaps that scene will be even more heartbreaking if the show ends tragically. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the theories about Vogel being the brain surgeon are have to be dead now, right? And I guess you could just modify them and oh maybe she's controlling them or something like that i don't know and 
I think it's laid to rest, though. I don't know. I I don't I don't think that'll be the twist. Uh, Deb's boss, Elway. I don't know how we're supposed to deal with this dude. Uh, I mean, to me, he, he just seems kind of boring. I mean, and by that, I mean you think something. Oh, private investigator, Miami. Well, you know, he's he's got something going down. But nah, he just seems like really cool, just like super focused on his job. Uh, I don't know what there is to say about him. Uh, are we really going to go a whole season without Deb hooking up with him? It seems like if she's going to hook up with anybody this season, it'd be Quinn. But man, man, knock me over with the feather if Deb doesn't hook up with this dude. What? Talk about progress for her. All I know about Elway is that dude fucking loves electrolytes. Dude. That's all he talks about, man. The other week, you were taking a shot every time you heard the word psychopath. Now I'm taking a shot every time that dude talks about electrolytes. It's like, geez, we get it. You're really into hydration and stuff, man. All right. Well, I like that Dexter and Vogel have been... I like the scenes that they have together, and I like the dialogue, even if sometimes it is really on the nose and explainy, like when she was talking about, uh, oh, I, I made the first rule, don't get caught. You know. Uh, but I think one of my favorite lines has been, you know, Vogel said something along the lines of like, you know, why didn't you kill Deborah? Not that I'd condone that. I laughed because that reminds me of like when really like homophobic dudes or say things like like they compliment their friend but then follow it up with no homo. Like, hey, uh, oh, dude, I think, man, you looked really good today in that shirt. Oh, no homo though. You know, they don't want their friend getting any ideas. I like that. It was like Vogel was doing the same thing. Like, dude, why didn't you kill Deborah? I mean, not that I would want you to or anything. I laughed. I laughed. Uh, I liked getting details on the the Guerta's cover-up, how the, the death works, supposedly. It, I don't know. It's, it, whatever it was, it all worked out. I don't. I can't even recall the details now, but they apparently had to figure it out. I like that Quinn seems really useful now because he's actually serving the, our main characters, Dexter and Deborah. He's not just on the side. He does still have goofy side plot stuff with Batista and Jamie and stuff, but I, it, he's mostly serving Deb and Dexter, and, and I like him a lot better when he's uh, helping out our boy Dex a lot. He's calling Dexter and stuff. I wonder how long until the other shoe drops, and he um, decides or he you know gets wise to Dexter or something. I don't know. Uh, and finally, I don't know if we can trust Vogel alone with Deb. I think everyone's kind of interested, like how that's going to go. She's obviously got something up her sleeve. She's squirrely. Them being alone and Dexter just trusting her. Who knows what kind of crazy things she's going to say. I don't know. Uh, maybe Dexter and Deb. I don't know. I don't even have a cra- I don't even have a theory to end this on. Who knows what's going down? We'll have to find. We'll have to watch later. Cheers, Travis. You're a bit bloodthirsty this week, aren't you? <laughs> I think you needed this kill more than Dexter. I'm with you about Vogel. I think they squashed the theory that she's the brain surgeon this week. Yeah. Whether Deb will hook up with Elway, I don't know. Sean Patrick Flannery pretty much confirmed the character has feelings for Deb on the wrap-up podcast. But I don't think he's exactly Deb's type, is he? Resuming things with Quinn would seem to be more likely. I think Quinn would be a more plausible fit for her romantically, perhaps. Okay, email from Stephen Alice says, This series has lots of similarities to season one, as there is a slow burn when it comes to the release of information. So, last week I thought Dr. Vogel was behind everything, but having watched this week's episode, I think that theory is wider than Mark. I'm still of the view that Dr. Vogel is definitely bad news for Dexter, and I also am of the view that Debs could end up being the new Dexter, especially after the Doctor spends time with her. Don't forget she killed the Hitman, and it wasn't self-defence, so she now has an appetite for killing, it seems. She doesn't feel guilty about it either. Compare that to how she feels of LaGuerta. Anyway, Quinn clearly has the hots for Debs, despite denying it. 
good episode with plot development. Cheers, Steve. That's an interesting possibility that Vogel might try to shape Deb into a killer somehow. I don't think I'd want to see that, though. Helping Deb will put Dexter in her debt, to an extent, and bring him closer to her. If Vogel has an agenda, doing that might be more beneficial to her than trying to turn Deb into something darker. Another email now. This time it's from Ari the Invisible. Invisible? Invincible. <laughs> he writes to say, Following the first episode, I wrote in to suggest that this season we would see Harrison begin to follow in his father's footsteps, and that the final tragedy would be that, with Vogel's dubious assistance, Harrison's path would be firmly set in the wrong direction. If anything, last night's episode has, I think, made me even more resolute in my conviction that this is where we're going. This is already the second episode of the season in which we've seen Dexter momentarily panic because he believes something horrible may have happened to Harrison. In the first episode, Dexter panicked as Harrison briefly wandered off outside Briggs' motel, and last night we watched Dexter follow a trail of blood-like popsicle drippings in terror of what might be at the end of the path. The writers, the writers are doing all they can to get us to care, vicariously through Dexter, about Harrison, where in previous seasons we might have been relieved if the Harrison distraction had been somehow gently removed from the show. But I rest my case mostly on last night's extremely heavy-handed metaphor. The writers could not have possibly been any clearer that Harrison is on his way to becoming another Dexter. In the first scene, Harrison consumes all of the popsicles because, he says, he loves them. He can't stop himself. He is, at least with respect to popsicles, out of control and destroys what he loves, leaving their, tra leaving their bloody red trail behind him and on his hands and face. In the very last scene, we have Dexter fretting that he consumes those he loves and that his curse is to leave a trail of destruction behind him. What a marvellous bit of writing this episode was bookended with, so subtle and yet so clear. Thanks very much, Ari. Some very thoughtful thoughts there. I'm glad, personally, to get a bit more Harrison, if that's what they're doing. It gives them a chance to redeem Dexter as a better dad than we had him down for. He's never winning Daddy of the Year, of course, but any extra points improve his standing. Plus, seeing more of him might get us to care a little more, which might lend itself to your theory. But I have to say, I'm not convinced that Harrison is going to follow in Dexter's footsteps. Yes, they've teased us a little, but... What child doesn't love lollies or popsicles or ice cream or chocolate or sweets, even though we know that eating too much of them will give you a tummy ache or make you sick? My youngest son, for example, he loves chocolate Maltesers, but last week I took him to see Despicable Me 2 at the cinema. He ate nearly a whole bag, guarding them jealously when my hand hovered. <laughs> he loved them. Until, just before the end of the film, he started to feel sick and I scooped him up and we barely made it to the toilets. What I mean, with this little anecdote, <laughs> is that having too much of something, even though you love it, to the point of getting into trouble or making yourself sick, is a typical thing for a child to do. So, I don't read too much into Harrison doing this. As adults, we do it too just go into any British town on a Friday or Saturday night to see it in all its horrific action. <laughs> I do like your deduction though, Ari, and you could still end up being right. But like we say so often, time will tell. Diana in Alberta, Canada, emailed in with this. She says, what a tense episode. I'm feeling Deb's pain. 
I can't imagine the weight of the guilt she's bearing, and it makes sense she headed to the homicide department. Confession is good for the soul. Such an amazing job ratcheting up the tension. With this being the last season, I really thought this could be it. Are they setting up Quinn to play a major role in Dexter's discovery? There were quite a few scenes where Quinn was on screen and other characters, like Batista and Matthews, were talking about him. I guess I'll know one day, as the show starts with its previously on Dexter, and we see a recap of Quinn dropping those photos in his nightstand, arguing with Liddy and listening to Deb's confession. Wouldn't that grind the gears of all the Joey haters out there? <laughs> Thanks, Deanna. I took a bit of pleasure this week, I must admit, as the Quinn haters all came out of the woodwork. Seems like they're never happy. Now he's being used for something meaningful, they're still not satisfied. We, quite fairly, knock the show at times for wasting the supporting characters, and now one of the biggest offenders has some positive involvement, and he's still getting slated. I have to say, I'm glad to see him making a good contribution to the story like this. It's perfectly plausible, and in keeping with his proposal in Season 6 and subsequent drinking problem. He had feelings for Deb, and these are coming back now, it seems, and influencing his behaviour. I'm okay with it. Perfectly okay with it, and it makes me smile that the Quinn haters just resent his very presence on the show. I'm expecting his old suspicions to come flooding back too, and I'm certain that for the episode when they do, the previously on Dexter will spoil it. But let's have more Quinn next week. Come on, Joey, mate. You can do it, mate. <laughs> so the writers got inspired by Hannibal. Great show, by the way. This cannibal did not have as much style. The label containers in the freezer are super funny, and the way he checked out Dexter. But why did Dexter kill him? He has not shown his need to kill recently. Sure, we saw that he was still on the game in episode one, but did we really feel his need to kill, like we did in past seasons? I didn't. Did you? The brain in the garlic sauce didn't bother me. But Jamie eating off the spoon and then serving dinner with it made my stomach turn. Don't do that. And wasn't that the night when Dex was out too? Who takes care of Harrison? Is that why he's so stashed up with sweets to keep him busy while he is alone at home? On the Quinn matter, Matthew took our side. His reaction on Batista's suggestion of promoting Quinn mirrored mine exactly. These bastards met and managed to turn my opinion on Quinn. The way he was there for Deborah made me like him again. Bugger. Again we have the tensions between Deb and Dexter. The dinner scene felt too much like a date to me. Dear writers, let's not go down this road again. And again Dexter, who's always so controlled and neat, wants to connect. Dear Dexter, you should stop that. You did it with Brian in season one, with Lila in season two, with Miguel Prado in season three, with Trinity Awesome in season four, with Lumen in season five, with Brother Sam and Travis in season six, and with Hannah in season seven. But did our friend Dexter learn anything? Don't trust them. You will have to kill them afterwards. No, he trusts Dr. Bird like a little child. This bothers me. He has to figure out soon how crazy she is and dispose of Dr. Frankenbird. Am I nagging? 
just a bit. A strong episode, especially the brilliant performance of Jennifer Carpenter. But this season, for me, the weakest so far. Keep it coming. Only nine episodes until the end. Thanks, Sandra. Nice thoughts. Dexter killing Galuzzo. I'd say the guy definitely fit the code. He's a repeat killer who's eluded the justice system. There was fresh meat in the fridge, so he presumably killed quite recently, so no reason to suspect he wouldn't kill again. He definitely fit the code, but whether Dexter needed to kill him, you could argue about that. I think it boils down to control. Dexter had to give up control of the Deb situation, as if he ever had it under his control, but he had to give it up to Vogel, having tried and failed to help her himself. But making a kill is something Dexter can succeed at, something he does very well. He wanted to take a little control back by killing Galuzzo. Okay, back to the email now. Here's Tim in Melbourne, Australia, who emailed to say another very solid episode. So far this season, the writers and creators are remembering the most important, essential elements of Dexter, tension and danger. Having Dex and Deb both on the edge of disaster in very different ways is making for a great season. My thoughts in this episode are that Doc Vogel took a step towards credibility and appearing to be genuine. The scene where she receives the two packages shows that she really is being targeted and it's not something she's contrived to manipulate Dexter. In her own twisted way, it seems, she does want to help with Deb as well. On the other hand, she was quick to shove Deb's handwritten confession into her bag and not tell Dexter about it. She has a vital ace up her sleeve now against both of them. Maybe she doesn't intend to use it, but believes in having a bit of leverage just in case. Now, Tim had some other quick observations about the episode, including Deb and Elway having nice chemistry, Angel doing going back to wearing his cabana shirt, and Tim was pleased that they tied up the loose end about the LaGuerta ballistics. He closes by saying, Looking forward to the shitstorm when Deb wakes and finds herself handcuffed to her couch and her scenes with the doc. P.S., Ashes, 1-0 to your mob. Shit. <laughs> I had to leave the PS in. <laughs> yes, indeed, 1-0 in the cricket. Close match, though, and your guys can certainly hold their heads up. But it's early days, as the first day of this second test showed. <laughs> At Lords, the home of cricket, where I used to visit very regularly in the early 90s as a, a fan of uh, Middlesex County Cricket Club. Um, and this first day just shows the sides so far seem to be pretty evenly matched. Um, we'll see how it goes, and I'm sure we'll speak again over the summer about that one. Um, to Dexter. Uh, yeah, you pick up, picked up on something my wife said. She's really enjoying things so far, and she said it's because she's been on the edge of her seat with the tension. Having the sense of tension and danger, not least because this is the final season and all bets are off, it really helps keep you hooked in, and as I've always said, Dexter in Jeopardy, that's when the show's at its best. Uh, just in reference to one of your comments there about Vogel putting Deb's confession into a bag and not tell Dexter, um, Dexter did actually tell her to pick it up, so um, Vogel wasn't being uh, sneaky there. <laughs> Dexter did tell her to grab it, but whether she gives it back to him, back to him uh, we don't see him take it off her later so she's probably still got it in her bag so she could still use it as leverage thanks tim another email alex in nyc says this might be the understatement of the century but dexter's not the best at understanding the complications of regret and remorse is he the good dr vogel would probably just talk chalk to this 
chalk this up to him being a psychopath, psychopath, psychopath. But, though I'm sure if everyone agree, though I'm not reading this very well, am I? <laughs> the good Dr. Vogel would probably just chalk this up to him being a psychopath, psychopath, psychopath. But, though I'm not sure if everyone agrees, Dexter is a psychopath with no feelings is sort of the oldest joke of the show. Of course he has feelings. His problem isn't a categorical one of being unable to empathise, it's an issue of depth and degree, because, really, for a so-called psychopath, he should get a solid A for effort concerning his attempt to reboot Deb. There were a lot of creepy elements under the surface, though, to that restaurant scene. The worst offender. Sorry, just distracted by my cat running across next door's shed. <laughs> I should say, no sign of uh, our black cat Dexter, though. Rita! Hello. Can I come and say hello on the podcast? <laughs> anyway, where was I? <laughs> Some creepy elements to the restaurant scene. Yes, the worst offender being that he no doubt had to track down and stalk that family to find out when and where they were having dinner. But it did show that he at least knew what to say to remind his sister who she was. And there's the problem. It's who she was. It's not who she's become. Dexter doesn't understand that people's experiences have lasting and deep effects on who they are because his experiences don't have lasting and deep effects on who he is. This pseudo-suspended state is partly because of his psychopathic traits, sure, but also partly because of who he was brought up to be, a survivor, and survivors are ultimately all about maintaining the state of affairs and keeping things running smoothly. So he approached Deb's problem as he would a broken appliance. Replace the part, restart the engine, jiggle the handle and Bob's your uncle. Did I do that right? What Deb's going through isn't an abnormality that can be cured with a simple manipulation or Pepto-Bismol though. It's in fact a new normal. All Dexter really accomplished was to force a ghost to look back at the life it once lived and pine for it. Anyway, enough about the unimportant stuff. We need to tackle the scenes that move the plot forward and ask questions that need answering. Did Quinn, alone at the table, eat Jamie's chicken dinner? The easy answer is yes, he did. This is Joey Quinn, after all. He's a simple man willing to surrender to impulse, a man that understands his basic needs while, much like Dexter, misreading or disregarding any emotional cue or guilt trap set by a girlfriend. Then again, Quinn doesn't look like much of an eater. <laughs> Personally, because I'm enjoying Jamie's growing jealousy and want to see it further stoked, I like to imagine secret option C, he brought it to Deborah so she could eat it. Fried chicken is good for a hangover. She's just a friend after all. Surely Jamie will understand. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Yes, you intersect with the point I made earlier that it reminded Deb of who she used to be. Dexter is an unreliable narrator, we know that. And we've seen how he's evolved through his experiences. It's perfectly normal and human for that to happen. And, of course, major things affect us in major ways. We all know that. Factor in the gravity of what Deb did and the impact on people she cares about. This is the most traumatic thing that, ever, that has ever happened to her. Coming quickly after the previous winner of that prize last season. Like the landscape of the show, Deb's changed irrevocably. She'll never be that person again, the Deb of seasons past. Dexter has to wake up and smell the coffee and perhaps it is starting to dawn on him now. Thanks again, Alex. Next, Brett Burris writes to say, I don't believe Deb killed the hitman. Jumbled memories from a concussion could mean she stumbled upon the car and found him dead. 
She got the cut on her when reaching in to check for a pulse. This feels like a setup, and the way Vogel keeps mentioning how surprised she is that Dex hasn't killed Deb yet makes me suspicious of her. Seems too obvious to have Vogel as the puppet master, but Occam's razor is there for a reason. My thoughts on where this season will head. Dexter will realise that he's not a true psychopath, and Dr. Vogel's demented treatments, instead of truly helping him, sent him down the killer path instead. This will lead to one final cathartic kill for the soon-to-be-reformed Dexter. But, just as he's about to sink the knife into Vogel, Deb bursts in and shoots Dexter, like an alternate ending to last season. Fade to black. No, wait. Harrison is looking on through a window, sees the blood and death. Fade to red. Thanks, Brett. For those who haven't heard of it before, the thing with Occam's razor is the notion that the simplest answer is often the right one. Whether Deb being set up is the most simple answer... I don't know. You could argue it's also a simple answer that she did shoot the guy. But I agree, it is ambiguous the way it's been presented, and we may yet find out that she's innocent of that one, and LaGuerta was indeed a one-off. Let's face it, it would be better for Deb if that was the case. Nice theory too, Brett, about the end of the show. You'll all know my long-standing belief that Deb will kill Dexter at the end, and this might be a plausible way of this happening. Next, an email from our good friend Mike Lanich, who says, Vogel continues to develop as an interesting character in the latest episode, and it's led me to believe even more that her reason may not be all that genuine. Something is off about her ideas on the perfection of Dexter being the perfect killer. Seems awfully bent on wanting Dexter to be this perfect model of a serial killer, and seems to be both surprised at some of his obvious human characteristics and dismissive. Watch as she continually attempts to dissuade Dexter about his love for Deb and paint it as some kind of selfish act on his part to get things he wants out of their relationship. If Vogel turns out to be the big bad this season, it will be one who uses manipulation and the bond between her and Dexter to get what she wants. What that might be, however, we're not sure, but it's obvious that there is some kind of ulterior motive at work here. Her big bad name could be the Puppet Master. Were you as surprised as I was by the line from Vogel about how Dub's murder of LaGuerta was a selfless sacrifice meant to protect Dexter? Sorry, a fly landed on me then. Did you hear me blow it off? (laughs) Sorry, Mike. He says, I'm hoping that the line wasn't an obvious nod to the end with Dexter making the ultimate sacrifice in order to save Deb and prove once and for all that he's not a monster after all. It's not that I would mind seeing this happen, but... Other than a few occasions throughout the series, the writers have rarely given us a major twist or surprise because they often allude to it well in advance and quite obviously. I have to say that I wasn't expecting Deb to actually confess to LaGuerta's murder in this latest episode. I figured that Dexter or some divine force would find a way to keep her from uttering those words to a clearly concerned and stunned Quinn. Of course, Quinn thinks that Deb is feeling guilty over not being there to help Maria, but something tells me he'll be reading the scrawled letter admitting her guilt. Could Dexter kill Quinn if he starts snooping? I love the Vogel storyline, but the brain surgeon storyline, though it directly involves her character, is thus far not holding my attention. At this point, it's obvious to me that its only importance so far this season was to bring Vogel into the Deb-Dexter dynamic and see what happens. I see manipulation of both Dexter and Deb in the next few episodes by Vogel, who I think will try and convince Deb that Dexter is as perfect as Vogel sees him. Oh, and Quinn should just wear a t-shirt around Jamie with big bold letters that say, I'm just not that into you. 
She would kick his ass, but it would make things so much easier for him than the drawn-out demise of the six-month fling they've been on. Thanks very much, Mike. Vogel. She does seem to have had this preconceived idea of who Dexter is, and she seems constantly surprised when she finds characteristics that don't fit with that. I think it's challenging her idea of what a psychopath is, and she thought Dexter was one. I think she's been thrown by his obvious ability to change and evolve and move away from that classic template. I don't know if she's just genuinely fascinated by this, or whether she's kicking against it for some sinister reason. I noted that line from Vogel about Deb's sacrifice too. I don't know if it foreshadows the end of the show, but I don't doubt that Dexter would very much put himself in the firing line if it meant saving Deb. Especially now. I think he feels he owes her. About Deb's confession. I don't think Quinn will be reading her notes any time soon because Vogel took the pad, didn't she? But now Vogel has confirmed that wiggle room not getting caught being the priority over whether the person actually deserves it. It could foreshadow some more unconventional kills, just in the name of preserving his freedom. Thanks again, Mike. An email from Joe Cartwright, who thinks he's got the plot twist figured out. He says, First, Deb's boss is the brain surgeon killer. He's been giving drugs to Deb in those health drinks he gives her. The boss also hired the guy to follow Deb and get the jewels. Deb wasn't killed by that guy in the storage unit because Deb's boss is the same guy who hired him. Also, Deb's boss was the one who shot the guy in the car, not Deb. Deb just thinks she was the shooter because she was drugged up from her boss's drinks. That's why Deb only has vague memories of the incident after seeing the police photos. The boss has plans for Deb after she is all drugged up. Such plans are yet to be revealed, and probably are related to Dexter. Finally... Deb's boss was a patient of Dr. Vogel. Vogel knows and is using Dexter to somehow deal with that guy. Thanks, Joe. Good theory. He's definitely had the opportunity to spike Deb's drinks with something. However, the El Sapo murder scene, Deb's blood was on that window. She might have had the crap beat out of her and she might have been concussed, but she wasn't comatosed so much as to not notice someone taking a blood sample from her between the lock-up and her car. What I find more fun in your theory is the possibility that Elway is an ex-patient of Vogel's. That would be interesting, to see her pass Dexter the next subject, and he sees the photo of Deb's boss staring up at him from the page. I don't think anyone else has had those sorts of suspicions about Elway yet. He's so far seemed to be just a normal guy, but then how many crazies do seem normal on the outside? If you're proven right, Joe, <laughs> I'll happily admit that I was wrong. Thanks for the email. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Blood. Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge. Hi, Gareth. It's Ian from Bristol here commenting on Dexter Series 8, Episode 3. Um, Debs. Well, she's really fallen off the rails this week, and her drinking has got totally out of control. She's obviously in some kind of massive mental conflict and it's hard to know uh, where her story's going to go. Um, we've, we've had all this so far and it's only episode three, so lots of room for her to, to go even more off the rails. It was um, interesting that she fully understood when the woman that she was um, following the husband up for, um, when 
she kind of decided to drop the case. Um, Debs obviously understood that ignorance is bliss and not knowing the truth is sometimes better than, than living with the pain of that knowledge. Moving on to Quinn. He's got a massive storyline this series, I think, compared to previously. The story trajectory seems to be him head, and, and Debs kind of coming together and kind of heading towards them, them getting back together again. But if Debs keeps on breaking down, how long until Quinn starts to believe some of the things that she's saying? And how long until Debs mentions something about Dexter? And what will, what will Quinn do? Moving on to Dexter and Vogel. I'm finding it difficult to separate Dexter and Vogel. They seem to be working together all the time at the moment. Um, Vogel seems to be in control of what Dexter's doing. Dexter seems to be following a little bit. It's um, it's clear that Vogel is absolutely petrified of the brain surgeon killer. Um, I, I wasn't sure previously if she had some part in it or she was hiding something. But when, when she went outside and found the his and hers boxers, she looked properly scared. But if it's one of Vogel's previous patients, old patients... I would expect her to have some idea of who it might be. Um, so is she holding back that information from Dexter? What secrets is she keeping from Dexter? Vogel keeps on stating that Dexter is perfect as a serial killer, almost with a sense of pride. So I think that's reinforcing my, my thought that she she created um, Dexter as a serial killer. Um, and she keeps on stating it, stating it to Dexter almost as if she's trying to get Dexter to to give up the humanity that he's found so far in the previous series, almost converting him back to being just a serial killer again. Moving on to the El Sapo murder, um, last week I kind of said that I wasn't sure that Debs had done it. On first viewing it wasn't clear to me. I felt that there was a, a bit of doubt about whether Debs had actually done it or not. And after listening to the feedback where I seemed to be the only person that thought that, I, I decided to re-watch it again. Uh, and it's removed some of the doubt. I think it's likely that she did. But I, there's still a couple of things. I'd still love to know what happened to the jewels and what happened to the murder weapon that Debs used. Where did she get it from and what she, did she do with it? Both the jewels and the murder weapon, they're, they're both evidence linking her to that murder. I'd love to know what, what happens to those. The Cannibal Killer this week. I thought this was an opportunity to allow Dexter a Killer of the Week. It, hasn't, it wasn't really necessary. It hasn't moved the story on at all. Um, but I did like the way that they had the conversation in the shopping mall, and I liked the way that the, the cannibal killer checked out Dexter's fat index, um, obviously confirming that Dexter was prime meat for his pot. Jacob Elway, the PI, um, he keeps on giving Debs those, those health drinks and putting those supplements in. Um, what's, what's he adding? Um, I, I assume that it is just supplements, but who knows with Dexter. But every time he gives Debs one of those drinks, I always have a flashback to Hannah uh, poisoning Debs in the last series. Also, why is he putting up with Debs' behaviour? Um, I would have thought that he would have sacked her by now. She's going AWOL for weeks, AWOL for weeks at a time. She's turning up to work drunk. Um, and she almost got arrested. Um, is, it, is it the kind of person she, he wants working for her? Finally on to the brain surgeon killer. Well, we had the shack in the swamp. And the watching you reference from the his and hers brain boxes, if you like, um, both of which reminded me a little bit of Dokes. Um, it, it can't be, but was Dokes's body ever formally identified? Well, I'll leave you with that mad thought, Gareth, and I look forward to hearing from you next week. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Thanks, Ian. You win the prize for this week's crackpot theory. <laughs> Dokes, the brain surgeon. <laughs> Honestly, though. They did officially identify the body as Dokes in the season 2 finale, 
They'll have got DNA and maybe dental records, so I think we can safely rule this one out. You made a good point about Quinn, in that how many times can Deb break down and profess her guilt to him before he thinks there's more to this than just grief, more to this than just her going through some stuff. This could yet be Quinn's season. You make fair comments about Deb and El Sapo. A couple of loose ends there. Where is the murder weapon and what happened to the jewels? Will we find Tebbers stuff them in her mattress? And you're the second person this week to query what Elway's putting in those electrolyte drinks. Could be something, could be nothing. I think he's indulging Deb's erratic behaviour because she is good at her job. With her recruitment into his company, he bagged a current police lieutenant, apparently in the prime of her career, to have such a person working for him. Perhaps he allows her a lot of slack as long as she gets results. Finally, some very interesting symbology spotted by listener Gabias Bluth, who started off by noting how Vogel made a Masonic hand gesture with her left hand when she hugged Dexter last week. I'll try and remember to stick the image on the Facebook page so you can see what I mean. She's got the middle two fingers together with the outer two fingers sort of spread out. Gabias says, amongst other things, this gesture is called Triad Claw and Masonic M. He goes on to say, I do believe that the writers of many shows use occult teachings in mainstream shows. The actors and actresses are often very aware it very aware of it, sorry, and often participate. And Gabias mentioned how Jennifer Carpenter in a season seven wrap up podcast referred to her inner Mason. Gabias says she's made other recognisable hand gestures at other times in the show and suggests she maybe uses Masonic teachings in her own life and career. Gabias goes on to talk about symbology of silver, referring to last week's episode title, and the mother symbolism after Vogel called herself Dexter's spiritual mother. He says this is very Masonic. And I quote his email here. Mother Lodge, he says, the mother energy. Darkness imitated the Divine Mother, guidance and healing, and so on. Is the Divine Mother going to heal Dexter in the end? There is a belief that we, humanity, is entering or has entered a new age or new world order, age of Aquarius, new age of enlightenment, many names. Some of those themes and ideas seem to be sprinkled into the show, especially the feminine energy needed for the transformation. Maybe Dexter will make a transformation of his own. Maybe the humanity in him will be awakened more. Gabias's last key point is the name Evelyn Vogel, specifically Evelyn or Evelyn and the Eve part of the name. He says, Eve convinced Adam to eat the forbidden fruit of good and evil, God's creation of humankind. Maybe Dexter's darkness was more a product of Evelyn than the trauma of being born in blood. Freemasonry pulls from religion and mythology for its core concepts, so these big ideas are like advertisements for the uninitiated, if that makes sense. Gabias ends by admitting that these are some big ideas that mostly transcend the show. How much of it, of, of these big concepts, are intended to seep into our subconscious, be it on purpose or not, we may never really know. He says that would be something to ask the writers, so maybe we'll get the opportunity. I have to thank Gabias here for giving these ideas so much thought, and I have truncated his um, 
his explanation a little bit for brevity's sake. Um, but clearly he's, he's given this a lot of thought and uh, thanks goodbyes for sharing them with us. I honestly don't know if the show would put in symbolism like that. I don't know. Maybe I should give them more credit, but it's interesting you picked up on all this. I would be very interested if any other listeners have spotted anything along these lines. Oh, we've had some religious symbolism before, but symbolism along these sorts of lines that Gabias has talked about. So yeah, I'd, I'd be interested if anyone else has, has spotted anything along these lines and can maybe comment. Of course, if anyone wants to respond but prefers to stay anonymous, then I'll completely respect that and not name names. But your comments would be valuable. So thanks everybody for your feedback this week. Some some great stuff. Plenty of food for thought as always. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. The listener lines, you can phone in in the US. It's 646 or in the UK it's 0844-579-6949 and with the UK line you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you there's also email dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can also send an mp3 file or voice recording in whatever format you you choose Uh, I should be able to do something with it (laughs) Uh, there's also twitter at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK, and the Facebook page, which was pretty busy this week, and last week actually, it's, it's good stuff. Um, go onto Facebook, uh, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. And as always, if you wish to uh, support the podcast, you can in other ways, by leaving uh, a nice five-star iTunes review, which which does help the podcast positioning on iTunes. Uh, We have been fortunate enough to be positioned in the what's hot section of iTunes in the past and it's it's always nice to see it appear there. uh, It shows shows we're here and alive and kicking and (laughs) getting content up there. Uh, Or you can also support me via the um, show's sponsor. Sorry, brain paused just for a second there. (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Uh, Audible.com is one of the leading online purveyors of audio content. Uh, They have tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of uh, audio books, fiction and non-fiction, for you to download. You can sign up for a free trial, a free one-month trial, no obligation. Uh, You can cancel your trial before the one month is up and owe them nothing. Uh, But during that trial, you can download one free audio book, choosing from any of their massive catalogue of of titles Uh, and in doing so you will support the podcast i get a very small commission for everyone that that does sign up for a trial you can do that by going to www.audibletrial.com slash dexter and uh quite a few of you have and i'm very appreciative of that it does go towards supporting the podcast skype credit um paying for the voicemail lines that sort of thing You make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do. You don't think there are monsters in this world? You don't believe people are evil? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil. So that brings us to the end of another Dissecting Dexter. 
while I have while this podcast has been in production, uh, there's been some goings on. Um, San Diego Comic Con is in full swing, and the Dexter panel was last night. As I'm recording now, it's now Friday morning. Uh, I'm going to get this podcast uploaded today. Uh, but the Dexter panel was last night. Um, there were some surprise guests. Um, former cast members turned up. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled about what's coming up later this season, you will definitely want to avoid seeing anything <laughs> from the Comic-Con panel. Uh, photos of the guests, that sort of thing. Um, if you want to be completely unspoiled, avoid, OK? <laughs> it may be too late. <laughs> I've tried to be careful with what I've put on the podcast, uh, apart from the Season 8 preview, um, to avoid um, spoiling anybody who really doesn't want to know, want to know anything. And, and I know there are some of you out there, plenty of you out there. So, uh, you know, I try to respect that. Um, no big revelations uh, coming out of Comic-Con, sort of, in terms of answers. Um, I mean, why would they spoil the final season? <laughs> and they, they rarely do. <laughs> they rarely do spoil... Uh, they're, they're really. Re I'll start again. They rarely have spoiled the show in the past, so um, you know, if if you don't mind minor spoilers, then um, you know, check out the panel, and I'm sure it'll be on YouTube later today if it's not already. Uh, also, the Emmy nominations were announced yesterday prior to the the panel. Oh dear, what can I say? Um, Despite all our, our bigging up of Jennifer Carpenter's performance, not just this season, but last season. And as we've talked about, she's got steadily better as the seasons have, have, have gone by. Uh, Dexter was completely ignored by the Emmys, um, which is a great show. It's been nominated, I think I read somewhere, four times for Best Drama. So it has had Emmy love in the past. Michael C. Hall has had nominations in the past. Uh, but Jennifer Carpenter was cruelly overlooked. Um, now, I don't know which category she would be eligible for, whether it would be Best Actress or whether Best Actress is reserved for a uh, lead in a, in a show. I'm not sure. Um, or Best Supporting Actress. If Best Supporting Actress, then you've got the likes of... I mean, there's plenty of good talent amongst the nominations, the, the nominees, but Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones? I mean, she's... She's all right, but has she put in work anywhere near the caliber of Carpenter over the last year and a half? No, <laughs> I've got, <laughs> I have to sort of hold myself back from getting fired up because I was really pissed off when I when I heard yesterday. I, I put on Twitter on my personal Twitter, what what has Carpenter got to do to get a nomination? Has she got a she's she's bared her soul on the show. <laughs> she's laid it all out there, hasn't she? I'm sure even if you're not that mad on the Deborah character, you can't deny the quality of the of the work that she's put in. What's she got to do to get a nomination? And I put this on Twitter. She's got to kill herself or something? I mean, come on. <sighs> yes, I'm cross. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, so positive thoughts. <laughs> the show's going well. The season's going well. I, I think we're all pretty much enjoying it. Uh, no, I'm not going to be negative about some of the comments. <laughs> Let's be positive. Happy thoughts. I'm sure. I'm sure Carpenter, in her heart of hearts, is a little bit disappointed. But you know, I, I, she did a signing yesterday at, at 
Comic-Con, and I'm sure she got plenty of love from the fans to... Um, probably quite nice that she had that hours after being snubbed in the nominations uh, to get all that fan love. Uh, I, I'm sure she, uh, I'm sure that will have helped sort of boost her again. Right, so, <laughs> on that sort of mixed <laughs> note, uh, thanks very much for listening. That's it for another podcast. Uh, as I say, I'm away next week, but the podcast will live on, uh, and I'll be back again the week after for episode five. So, um, thanks as always, and I'll speak to you soon when we'll be dissecting some more Dexter, although someone else will be dissecting it next week. Uh, so, tune in for that. Thanks again, guys. Take care. Speak to you soon. <laughs>